Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society to discuss everything from their latest endeavors to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. Steve Batchel is an explorer, naturalist and broadcaster. His BAFTA-winning programmes bring viewers of every generation closer to nature. From the children's series Deadly 60, featuring close encounters with the most dangerous and venomous creatures on Earth, to Blue Planet Live, Spring Watch and Expedition. His big break as a broadcaster arrived when National Geographic offered him the post of Adventurer in Residence, and he's been taking on the most arduous challenges and toughest environments on Earth ever since. Now he's bringing his love of adventure and wildlife to the stage with a new show all about oceans, which is going to be touring the country this spring. In true Steve Backshall fashion, he spoke to me uh, when we spoke earlier in the week from the banks of a river. Well, the River Thames. Uh, so apologies for the occasional blast of wind. Um, as a fellow scuba diver, I started off by asking him if he thinks that once you've seen the incredible environment that exists under the water, it's impossible to ignore the disaster that's occurring under the waves. I, I couldn't agree more. And it, it sounds like you should be coming along, Mariana. It sounds like just your cup of tea. Sign I, me I, up. I, I think that even even divers tend to underestimate what we have here in this country. I think we have some of the, the most stunning marine environments you'll find anywhere on the planet and so underestimated, underappreciated. I mean, how many people realise that we have blue whales, fin whales, humpback whales, that we have orca hunting in our seas here? I've, I've been out paddling in my kayak and had a leatherback turtle swim into my boat. We have giant sunfish, lion mane jelly, lion's mane jellyfish. We have seagrass bags and, and um, we have kelp forests all here in the UK, and yet sometimes we, we can just forget about them. Do you know, I'm surprised uh, when you talk like that about the abundance that you report. Is it the case that we still have really vibrant sea life off the coast? There's, there's no doubt that we are in the midst of an overfishing crisis and that there is considerable amounts of work to be done to make sure that we still have sustainable uh, fisheries off into the future. 
But what I have seen with my own eyes is how well how well regulation works, how well marine protected areas can work and how quickly fish stocks can bounce back if you do have true no take zones. And, you know, last summer I, I spent a couple of weeks off the coast of Wales filming tuna, giant tuna the size of cows that have somehow made a return to our waters over the last few years and, and are found in really impressive numbers, swimming alongside fin whales, second biggest creature on our planet, and minke whales, gannets diving down to take uh, herring from the surface. It, I mean, there is no doubt that we are overfishing and taking way too much of certain kinds of fish, but that can be offset. And I really do believe that we, we have good reason for hope for the potential future of our oceans. I just want to mention to our listeners that in typical outward bound style, Steve Baxall is not sitting on Zoom in a closet in his home, but out on the River Thames uh, near where he lives. So if you hear any wind noise, it's it's just natural circumstances. Nothing we can do about it. Um, it is nothing to do with me being an adventurer either. It's because I've got three kids under three and being inside the house would be way noisier than this is. <laughs> yes, as discovered during the pandemic. Um, so some of the things you're describing, uh, you, you do it with such enthusiasm that I get a, a, a kind of visual picture, but how do you bring that alive on stage? How are you going to do that with these shows? Yeah, that, that's the tricky part. I mean, I did consider trying to flood every single theatre and give everyone <laughs> that came in a snorkel at the door. Unfortunately, they wouldn't let me. But instead, uh, we have a whole range of live science experiments which will be performing on stage. Very high possibility, even probability of them going horribly wrong and me ending up looking very, very silly. But I'm guessing that, that would be quite a highlight for most of the audience. We have life-size replicas of some of the largest creatures ever to have roamed our planet, uh, which we'll be bringing to the stage. A giant screen with uh, amazing visuals and the very best natural history footage. Um, and then stunts and tips and tre- techniques and interactivity with the audience as well. Um, it's it's going to be an absolute blast. How I'm going to manage to carry on going for that length of time for a tour that's like 34 dates across the country, I don't think I'll have much of a voice left by the end, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the environmental message, and, and I know that's very important to you. How- you know, having animated children so brilliantly with Deadly 60, my son was a total Deadly 60 addict. You know, did you know? Um, how, how do you do that with something that's on the one hand as cataclysmic uh, and on the other as imperative in terms of educating them and animating them about climate change and, and the environment without terrifying the pants off them? Well, that is the question. That is the big question for anyone working in the media and particularly working in the media where a conservation message is important. There are some topics that we really struggle with. And climate change is certainly one of those. It's complex. It's difficult. It doesn't have a, a clear end game and it can be, uh, you know, oppressive and negative. Really. The flip of that would be something like the single use plastic crisis, which is a- almost perfect for the media because it has an evident end game. It's its problems, its conundrums are quite obvious. And it's something that that anyone from the very youngest of kids can get involved with. And I think that it's it's recognizing those theories, those, those things It's recognizing which stories we we tell best, and which ones connect with kids best. You know, my real sense is that, that what we need to do is to get young people on side early have them feeling empowered, point them in the right direction, and and then they will find their way. But putting too much emphasis on the big problems of climate change to to young kids is a mistake because you you switch them off to to conservation. And that is a potential advocate for the future that you've lost. So I I think it's, it's all about finding the right messages and bringing young people on side 
but most of all, empowering them, giving them a sense that they are not too small to make a difference, that there are things that they personally can do to make a positive difference. Uh, do you think we need to ramp up our environmental policies to protect our seas? And, and, and do you think it's, it's particularly difficult because what's happening under there is, is by its nature hidden from us? We're not sea-dwelling yes. creatures. That, that, is, that is without question true. One of the biggest problems about, uh, about marine conservation is that so little is known. There are still new species being found from our oceans every single year. And there is so much that's not known about the, the fish we catch, which should be the thing we, we understand the most. You know, the, the, the story of the, the orange ruffy would be a, an absolute classic, a fish that all of a sudden started to be caught in the late 70s, early 80s, at about a thousand metres below the surface. And within about five years, this fish, which had, had seemed to be everywhere, had pretty much disappeared. And it was only then that scientists started to, to study their life history and find out that they didn't really mature until about 15, 20 years of age and they could live to be 100. And because of that, they regenerated very slowly. And, and therefore, the quota had to be there to begin with. Otherwise, you know, we would have completely eradicated it. So good science is is the, the basis for everything that we do in the ocean. And we have to make sure that we are we are not plundering parts of our ocean that we don't yet understand. I think that's really, really important. So little work has been done even down at the average depth of our oceans which is about three kilometers below the surface you know we know so little about it it, it is it is too early to stop dragging down uh, trawl nets and just wrecking everything that's there before we even understand it tell me about sharks uh, another subject that we have in common uh, in that i'm absolutely crazy about them and i'm a patron of the shark trust and uh, i think you know they are one of the most misunderstood species and misrepresented in a way now you have over the course of your career kind of pointed out the danger of, of, of certain animals, you know, and in that way engage children's imaginations with them. But there's a difference, isn't there, between sort of demonising them and describing them as dangerous in, in, in a way to appeal further. That, that is the absolute critical distinction, particularly on, on Deadly 60, on my kids' wildlife programs. Uh, we, we put it in, in the titles at the beginning of the program. This is not about animals that are dangerous to us. It's about animals that are deadly in their world. What's fascinating about them is how they, as predators, interact with their prey. And, you know, sharks are statistically almost no danger to us as human beings there is, there is almost nobody being taken by sharks around the world and, and certainly here in our waters we have 30 odd species of sharks and, and people do not get harmed by them uh, you, need, you, need, you need to go into diving with sharks with your eyes open you know i wouldn't swim outside of a cage with a great white shark without first being very very sure of the environment and the conditions of the individual animals that i'm swimming with but have you done so, that Yes, we, we, we filmed that uh, on, on uh, two, two separate occasions and it, it's one of the most extraordinary of all wildlife encounters. Having this animal that you've kind of been taught since birth is a, a mindless man-eating killing machine just swim comfortably past you, completely ignoring you. It is one of the greatest wildlife encounters you can possibly have. Wow, I'll have to look that back up. Is that, would, that, would that have been your most petrifying encounter or is there something that tops that? There's a, a cliche that is very true that animals sense fear, and particularly in the water. If you're in the water, then you, you send little ripples through the water as you move. Some of those can, can be signs of stress. So if your heart rate is to increase, then the animals around you can perceive that, um, which is why predators will, will target stressed 
injured, struggling animals in the water. So you cannot be like that. If you are going to swim alongside a bull shark, a tiger shark, a great white, you need to be calm and confident. If you're not, then you you shouldn't be there because you, you are creating a, a possible friction in the water by being nervous. So, um, no, I would say that I spent a good 20 years working up to the first time I dived with great, shark, great whites outside the cage. I was confident. I was calm. And because of that, it was a, it was a safe encounter. Uh, tell me a little bit about where your sense of adventure came from. I mean, what came first, the love of the natural world or uh, a determination to be a sort of full red-blooded uh, adventurer? I think that the two in my adult life have probably gone hand in hand. But as a kid, I was, I mean, as, as far as my parents say, from the first moment I could crawl, I was uh, crawling around the garden looking for worms and beetles and, you know, uh, snakes, eggs in the compost heap. And that, that was my thing from a very young age. I think at, at its core, I guess I'm a naturalist, first and foremost. The natural world is my fascination, my obsession. And the exploring side of things has, has been a, a, a very happy accident, something that I've had the privilege to do. And, you know, that there is there is nothing that beats being the first person to stand on a mountain and look out at a view and know that no one has ever had that view before. Or, you know, to swim into a sunken cave passage and, and know that every single sweep of your beam is illuminating darkness that has never before seen light. That is something uniquely special. But there's no doubt that at its core, the thing that I, I am most connected to is, is nature and, and animals and wildlife. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My guest is the naturalist, adventurer and deadly animal enthusiast, Steve Backshall. Steve, just before the break there, we were talking about the, you know, extraordinary thrill of standing on a virgin landscape, seeing a view that perhaps no one's ever seen, being in a place that perhaps no other human being has has touched down, as it were. Um, 
but I know that in the pursuit of that, I think uh, in Bhutan uh, at one point, you were kayaking down a river that had never been navigated before and you got yourself into very deep water quite literally. Can, can you explain what happened there and, and, and how you managed to sort of put experiences like it behind you and press on? It, that, it's very tricky, particularly now uh, at this stage of life where I'm a, a father of young kids and I'm more starting to think about not just mortality, but responsibility. Um, and, and this actually happened not that long after my first child was born. So those things were weighing very heavily on my mind. We, we As you say, we were making the first descent of a whitewater river in the Himalayas in Bhutan. And we came to a to, to late in the day we had a rapid ahead of us that we couldn't recce because we were walled into this very steep-sided um rocky gorge and so we we ran it blind and i got stuck in a rapid and flipped upside down in my kayak over and over and over again uh, i couldn't roll myself back up again and uh, i just got caught inside for about four and a half minutes underwater um and there was a i mean four and a half minutes is a long time to be to be you know being dragged underwater it was glacial meltwater so it's pretty close to zero you know i lost all my strength all my ability to be able to rescue myself and i just had this piercing realization that this is how it was going to end for me that i i was drowning and i am so lucky and so grateful that my my paddling partner sal montgomery somehow got back upstream against the rapids threw a rope to me and and pulled me out and without that i wouldn't be sat here talking to you here today it's a very rare thing to, to, in the old-fashioned sense, really owe your life to somebody. And because of that, I think Sal and I have a have a very strong bond and, and always will have. I, I know that, you know, everything that happens from here on in for the rest of my life will be, will be thanks to Sal. Interestingly, you've described it as the best day of your life, even though you thought it was going to be your last. Um, why? <laughs> uh, well, because... It, it so nearly was was the end so therefore there was a kind of rebirth there and, and a sense of greater appreciation for absolutely everything that I had and, and I think you know moments like that inevitably become real sort of real turning points in your life a, a time for stopping and contemplating where you're at where you're going what's important to you and just reassessing everything and because of that I kind of see my whole life as being before and after the accident. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, all my favourite memories, I think, aside from maybe having my children, involve adventures, uh, you know, underwater, on land. And yet, you know, I'm very well aware that travelling like that is perhaps a luxury that we can no longer enjoy to the extent that we did, you know, during the 80s and 90s and even early noughties. I know that um, for your recent series expedition, you went on 10 different trips around the globe. Um, How do you balance that knowledge that you will obviously have that, you know, there are too many people, we're travelling too much, we need to pull back with the pursuit of the thing that, that, that you're really invested in, which is adventure and exploring the world and bringing it to us, you know, in, in, in the most exciting fashion you can. Well, clearly, I could never say that people shouldn't travel. 
travel has been my life. It's been everything to me. It's given me all of my formative experiences and it's, you know, made me the person I am today. Even if I stop traveling tomorrow, I, I still couldn't tell anybody else that they shouldn't travel. I, I think the key is to, to think very seriously about how we do travel and how we can offset our, our footprint. So the, the series you just mentioned, uh, Expedition, was the first UK TV series to be completely carbon neutral. Uh, we offset everything, not just the flights, but everything down to the, the fuel we burnt in our camp stoves and the, the lights that we used in the offices uh, by the people back home doing the research. And it was all put into purchase of uh, old growth tropical forest, which is you know, one of the most effective carbon offsets. We put a huge amount of effort into uh, sourcing our crews and our talent from in country. So rather than flying all of our, you know, our drone operators and our specialists and our camera people from the UK, we got them where we were going to. And I think that is that is going to be a huge part of our industry reassessing how it, it moves forward in the future is, you know, does it need to be me on screen doing these things? Can we get someone in country to do just as good a job? And if so, then we, we absolutely should be doing that. And I think that there are there are certain areas of this industry that is is really, really pushing forward to people who absolutely believe in the end game of, of climate change and who are doing everything they can to try and and mitigate that. Do I believe that we should stop traveling tomorrow? Absolutely not, because, you know, it, it, it brings so much to us. And it, for us, it gives us the opportunity to tell the very stories of the conservation crisis, which are absolutely essential. Should we only be allowing billionaires and oil magnates to, to jet around the world? No, absolutely not. But we do need to take proper responsibility for, for every single element of our own footprint. Uh, and no one uh, who swims uh, with great whites uh, can deny being in some way an adrenaline junkie. Uh, so I wondered how you fared during the pandemic when, when you know, your, your direct line to adrenaline was you know severed and and you were at home i i actually i wouldn't call myself an adrenaline junkie I, I i think that i'm someone who likes to be in control of my own destiny i i like to be in control for everything that i do and you know being outside the cage with great white sharks is is an absolute classic that that is something you should not do for an adrenaline hit far from it you, you you do it because you know that your experience and your knowledge allows you to do it at the right time in the right place with the right animal as to uh, during did you feed the them did you feed them a cow beforehand or something just to make <laughs> sure that they were really full well to, to be honest I, I think at most we had 13 great white sharks around the boat so it would have to have been an awful lot of cows <laughs> to have fed 13. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and during lockdown though, it was it was a very, very different time for me, but it was pretty special. My um my wife Helen uh decided, you know, six weeks, seven weeks after having twins to make a late comeback for the Tokyo Olympics. And so a huge amount of, of my time was invested in being a full-time dad and something that I'll, I'll never get the opportunity to do again in my life to spend you know a good year of my life concentrating pure and simple on on my little ones and on making sure that they get introduced to nature and that their lives are full and exciting and i, I absolutely loved it i was you know they're, they're not of an age where we had to think about homeschooling which you know i feel so so sorry for my friends and family who had kids who are a little bit older that they needed to be to be giving constant you know education that, that we didn't have Instead, we have an opportunity to to properly 
just embrace parenthood. Just finally, what's your next adventure going to be? Can I come with you? And um, how <laughs> yes, do you... Ma- absolutely. <laughs> it's got to be underwater then. No, it doesn't have to be underwater, but, you know, I prefer I prefer my chances underwater. Um, but, but how do you maintain your sense of enthusiasm? You talked about, you know, how sea life in particular, marine life regenerates, you know, which is something I, I saw firsthand in, in, in Honduras once where, you know, one side of the island, absolutely nothing. They found a, a lobster two inches long and got really excited, but then took me to where there'd been a national park for, for five years. And, and that's such a fantastic thing to see because the, the the sea life in the national park which had been protected was biblical so there are good news stories aren't there is that how you keep your enthusiasm up how do you keep your enthusiasm up in the face of of what really looks pretty bleak in terms of conservation across the globe yeah it's i i think very important to maintain positivity too much negativity just just takes the wind out of your sails. You need to feel that there is there is something positive you can achieve. That is empowering. That gives you the the, the spirit that you need to continue. And that's not just for me. That's uh, for for all people. I think who are, who are interested in nature and interested in conservation. Certainly, it's critically important when you're you know when you're when you're pitching conservation messages to to young people they need to know that they can make a difference they need to know that there is a a positive future ahead and yes i, I mean i think that uh, marine protected areas no take zones have such a quick turnaround they can so easily start to regenerate life on a on a grand scale that i i, I have great hope purely from that and i, I you know i put huge amounts of effort over the, the last 10 years or so into into the purchase of forest through through a charity world land trust and we've saved tens of thousands of acres of rainforest that is now home to jaguars and ocelots and orangutans and pygmy elephants and you can do things you personally as one individual person can make a positive positive difference and and so yes that always gives me that new hit of enthusiasm that i need Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my program every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.